This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. Glad you could join us. We're on lesson three of our course here. So we talked over a couple things. First week was the Great Commission, just going over a biblical basis of uh, what... Um, what the basis of missions is really. Where does it come from? The command of Jesus Christ. And last week we talked a little about what is the mission. There's a lot of confusion about that these days, and so we gave some examples from history, from the mission field today, and uh, just to think about what is it really that we need to be focusing our mission efforts on. Now, what I had planned to do is have you guys each a little index card and let you try to write out in one sentence your definition of a missionary. And that was going to give you some privacy and anonymity, but since I forgot the index cards, <laughs> all the anonymity is out the window. So I'm not trying to embarrass anybody. I just want to get us all thinking right now. Just just take a few seconds just think. What If you had to define the word missionary in one sentence, how might you do that? And you want to be a, a brave soul and just spit something out. I promise I'm not going to tear it apart. I'm not going to, you know, make fun of anything. I just want us to think about it because this is what I had to do when I was coming to this. But this is important. What is a missionary? And you want to take a stab at it? This is when the index cards come in handy. Mm-hmm. Well, if someone, if someone sent out Sent out with a message. All right, a missionary, somebody sent out with a message. Anyone want to add to that, or maybe you have a different perspective? If someone just if someone just came to you on the street and said, "Hey, I hear these people talking about missionaries. What is a missionary?" I think if you think about it in a, in a biblical context, and you look at examples there. It's it's not just someone that goes out with a message. It's someone that goes out with a specific message. In this case, the message of the gospel. All right. Okay, so a little clarification. So sent out with a message. Specifically, we're talking about Christian missionaries here. Sent out with a message of the gospel. All right. Anyone else? They summarized mine. They summarized. Oh, they they took your answer. All right. Great. Well, the truth is that um, there's a lot of confusion sometimes about what a missionary is. Um, A lot of things might come to people's minds when they think about a missionary. Here's a common thought. Here's someone over here providing medical care for people in third world country. Looks like it could be to Cambodia, to be honest. This is a, just this is off the internet. I didn't take this picture, but um, many people, especially people who are not Christians, they think of missions and missionaries. This is what they're thinking of. Here's a picture of uh, the famous meeting between David Livingston and Henry Stanley. Dr. Livingston, I presume. Uh, this is what a lot of people think when they think about missions, is these you know, European explorers going in, sometimes a force for colonialism, things like that. Um, of course, these great missionary stories. And who can forget these guys? <laughs> so, you know, missionaries. There's a lot of different definitions out there for missionaries. And um, 
that's not just true for us here in the States. People on the quote-unquote mission field uh, sometimes have some confusion as well. I couldn't tell you how many people have asked me in Cambodia if I work for the United States government. Because their assumption is, Cambodia is a Buddhist country, America is a Christian country, therefore I must work for the Department of Religion in America going out and propagating the Christian religion. And so, of course, I do not work for the government propagating religion in Cambodia. I'm going to show you a couple pictures of a uh, village we ministered in there in Cambodia called Ville Sabo. All right. So this is a few years ago. It's a little bit blurry. There's Joshua with one of the, the girls there in the town, my wife. Um, and then uh, here we go. So we were uh, pretty, pretty involved in this village. This, this girl you see in a couple of the pictures, she was coming to church really faithfully. And there's a man in the center picture here in the back, hard to see a little bit. His name is Rotanat. And he was a very friendly guy. He'd had some exposure to Christianity before. And so I used to go over probably at least once a week. And I would just sit at his house and talk to him about the Lord, have chances to witness to him. And he had lots of objections as to why he didn't want to believe. Uh, but it was a wonderful opportunity to share the gospel with him. I was still working on my language then. It's a great opportunity to get some good practice witnessing in Cambodian. And, of course, there was other people there in the uh, neighborhood who would come and listen. You can see, you know, a crowd gather around. This is, this is Julie, by the way. I don't know if you can see that. So this is <clears throat> about five years ago. One day, I was... Uh, visiting with Rotana at his house, and he told me, he started telling me about this, this man who lived in their village. And he said, yeah, there's this man, you know, he's a heavy drinker, and his wife died a few years ago, and he just kind of started going crazy, and uh, he's, he's really sick right now. And he just kept talking about it, and finally I was like, okay, I could, I could get the picture. What do you want me to do? I could tell in a, in a very roundabout way he was asking me to do something about it. He's like, why don't you just, just go and see him if you can get him a ride to the provincial hospital to treat him for free because he's poor. So, okay. And so he took me on this little trail behind his house, which is this house right here. There's a trail that goes back into these woods, and there's this little hut back there. And sure enough, there's this man, probably in his 40s, maybe 50, just like a living skeleton, just wasted away. He had just, all the, all the people in the village, their agreement was he had, uh, he had, drank so much that it had melted his insides. That's how they put it. He was in horrible shape. And long story short, his, his, his relatives back there were also drunkards. It was an awful job just getting them to carry him into the van to get him to the hospital where he could get treated for free. However, after I, had, I, I, took, I was able to take him, praise the Lord, get him to the provincial hospital, he was able to get treated. He made a bit of a recovery. And I was able to bring him back. And from that time on, everybody in the village was convinced that I was some sort of medical doctor. I had taken Yup, this guy, I had taken Yup to the hospital, and I brought him back, and he was better. And so every time I went to the village, people were coming up to me, oh, teacher, teacher, hey, I've got this problem, or my wife is having this problem. I'm like, look, <laughs> I'm not a doctor. I just carried him to the hospital. And uh, it doesn't help that in Cambodian, <laughs> That they have a word for teacher, guru. And this can apply to a whole bunch of people, a school teacher, a religious teacher, a doctor. 
And so they all call me Le Cru, honored teacher. So they didn't know if I was a teacher, pastor, doctor, what I was. Lots of confusion. And we're going to talk actually a little bit more about this, this story later on, about this man, Yup, and his family. But the point I want to make now is people are confused. Who is the missionary? What's he supposed to be doing? You've got people on the mission field confused. You've got people back here. And so I want us to just take some time this evening to look at the Bible and try to figure out what the Bible say about what a missionary is. So let's start by looking at just some, some, some more uh, well-known ideas. So if you just look it up in the dictionary, you get something like this. A person sent on a religious mission. All right, And so that's kind of what we started with. And it makes sense that, that when we're called upon for a one-sentence definition, this is what we come up with. This is what our society thinks of a missionary. A person set on a religious mission. And just thinking about it for a few minutes, it's pretty easy to realize this is pretty broad. I just took a couple minutes and wrote down things that I know missionaries in Cambodia do. Teach and preach the Bible. Pastor churches. Do mental, medical and dental work. Support education and literacy. Teach agricultural techniques. Distribute humanitarian aid. Teach financial management and business skills. Promote social justice, etc. Alright? We talked about this a little bit last time. A lot of hats to wear. Alright? And this is all missionaries. And, and a lot of times one missionary will wear any number of these hats. But these are just some of the dedicated jobs that missionaries do. This is just in Cambodia. I'm sure it's true for many other places. For us, we want to look at the Bible and start there. So first of all, do we find missionaries in the Bible? And do we find the term missionary in the Bible? Is the word missionary in the Bible? Yes or no? It is not. All right, so our word missionary um, is not found in the Bible, nor is the word mission or missions. Okay? This word, I'm going to go into the weeds a little bit here. Okay, this word comes from Latin word mito, which means to send. And this was taken from John 20, 21. Do you remember when we studied that? As the Father hath sent me, even so send I you. And so during the era of the Catholic Church, of course, Latin was their language. They took that Latin word to send, and it was used by the Catholics when they were sending out Jesuit missionaries to go and, and convert people, you know, baptize whole nations and have them join the Catholic Church. But they were talking about people who were sent. So a missionary is somebody who was sent. And what's interesting is there is a parallel term in the Bible that also means sent ones. All right? It's a Greek word. I'm going to test your Greek here. Apostolos. Comes from apostello. You want to guess what word we get from that? Apostle. All right? So this is a parallel word to apostle. All right? Missionary parallel with, a, um, with an apostle. All right? I'm not going to go too deep into these, but this is just a list of some people in the Bible uh, where this word is used for sending. And this, this concept, we're going to look at it a little later, a little more this, this evening, but this concept of sending is very important. And so here's just a few examples. Jesus was sent by the Father. 
um, the 12 apostles. Jesus called them to him so that he could send them out. Peter and John, this is after the church had been started, they were sent by the church to go to Samaria. Paul was sent out by Jesus Christ. Timothy and Erastus, two of Paul's co-workers, sent out on a mission to check on some churches. Judas and Silas, sent out by the church at Jerusalem to correspond with other churches. I'm just, I'm just giving you this so we can get a big picture. There's a couple big concepts I want us to see here. First of all, when we think about sending, there's, there's a couple of really important ideas. First of all, a mission. They're sent out because there's a specific task they're meant to accomplish. And the other one is the idea of authorization or authority. All right, whoever sent them out is the one under whose authority they go, who's giving legitimacy to the one who was sent. And that's why Jesus said, as the Father sent me, even so send I you. All right, so these ideas of mission and authorization. Sent ones, okay? So a missionary is a sent one. Apostle is a sent one. Now, what about this? Is the missionary an apostle? All right. Now, are there apostles today? All right. Um, I took the liberty this afternoon of Googling apostles near me. All right. And these are some of the uh, results that I got. So some people think there are still apostles. And I feel like if I had a robe like that guy's got there, I could have made a pretty good case that I was an apostle as well. Um, so as a missionary, should I call myself Apostle Matthew Brown? I'm a sent one, right? All right, so we've got these, these uh, folks here um, who are calling themselves apostles. Are there apostles today? Once again, we come back to the Bible, our only rule of faith and practice. What does the Bible say about apostles? We have a few credentials in the Bible that I think are, are pretty well agreed upon. First of all, Jesus' apostles were appointed by God, not by men. So Jesus was the one who picked the original 12, and then after Judas um, committed suicide, when they selected Matthias, they cast lots to try to discern the will of the Lord in choosing a replacement for him. And then, of course, Paul was selected by Jesus Christ as well. And so these are people who are appointed by God and not by men. Another criteria that we see for apostles in the Bible is they had to have been witnesses of Christ's ministry and the risen Christ. So, of course, the original 12, with the exception of Judas, once again, this was true. They had walked with Jesus Christ. They had seen his ministry. They had watched Christ die, and they had met him after he had risen from the dead. And when they, when they wanted to make a replacement for Judas, this is some of the criteria that they used. That's Acts chapter 1. Paul, once again, an example. He had an encounter with the risen Christ on the road to Damascus. So he was qualified to be an apostle. And I think it's interesting that usually it's a bounded number of people. There's not this idea that it's just going to keep going and going and going. There will be more and more apostles. And it was specifically the 12 that Christ picked with the addition of Paul. 
So the apostles are mentioned in Ephesians 4 and in 1 Corinthians 12 as gifts given to the church. All right, so there's gifts that Christ gave to the church. Included people, like apostles, included other gifts that could be given to any church member. And the Bible says that we're built on the foundation of the apostles. But I don't believe, uh, nor there's, there's general consensus to say, we do not have apostles nowadays. This was for a specific time. There's no reason from the Bible to believe that apostleship continues to this time. All that is a long way to say, I don't think a missionary is an apostle. So, are missionaries in the Bible? The word isn't there. Okay? I don't believe that a missionary is an apostle. All right? We can say he's sent out, and that's the word sent out. I agree with that, and I think that's true. Um, there's other positions that we find specifically in the church in the Bible. In some of these passages, like I mentioned, Ephesians 4, 1 Corinthians 12, talks about the pastor or bishop or elder. Talks about deacons, all right? Pastors and teachers. Where is the missionary? All right, we see plenty of people who fulfilled the role of a missionary. All right, if we think about someone who is sent out to preach the gospel, we can think of many examples. And here's just a few of them Paul, Barnabas, Silas, Philip, not the apostle, the deacon, uh, Epaphras, Apollos. And I want us to look at this list. Are all those people apostles? No. Some of them are. And some of them most definitely are not. And so what I want us to, to consider is, is this an actual position or gift in the New Testament church? And I want to make the case this evening that I believe the missionary is most closely related to the gift of the evangelist in Ephesians 4.11. If you want to turn to Ephesians 4.11, we'll just look at that really quickly. And like I said, this is a, we're not going to do an exhaustive survey of, of gifts in the, in the New Testament church here. But in Ephesians chapter 4, there's a lift, list of spiritual gifts that were given to the church. And it lists some people. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11. It says, He gave some apostles and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And there's general agreement, like we said, that apostles and prophets are not so much in uh, evidence today. But I believe that there's a lot of correlation between this, this idea of the evangelist and what we call a missionary today. And there's a few reasons for that. All right, this word evangelist, it comes from the word evangelion, all right, the gospel, all right, it comes from a word for the gospel. And so if we really break it down to it, an evangelist is someone who brings good news, or we could say a gospelizer, an evangelizer, somebody who brings good news. Now, we look at the word evangelist, and the way we're used to using it in you know, modern Christianity is an itinerant preacher, someone who travels around. Many times they are focused on evangelism, but many times they're focused on exhortation, encouraging Christians to live out what they know. 
And by the way, that's also a spiritual gift mentioned in Romans 12 and verse 8. And so I think that's an important part of church ministry. But most of the time, at least in the circles that I've grown up in, the person we call an evangelist, most of their energy is focused on exhortation and encouraging you know, Christians to live out their Christian life in the way that they ought to. The Bible uses it. This is the one time it's used to refer to a specific person. In Acts 21 and verse 8, it refers to Philip, who is selected as one of the deacons. Right? It calls him Philip the Evangelist. And this man was not an apostle. Right? He was a deacon. But he was used mightily of the Lord. He was the first one to go and preach in the city of Samaria. All right, that was part of the Great Commission. They were to start in Jerusalem, then all Judea, then Samaria. Well, who led the charge on that? Philip. Philip was the first one in Samaria preaching the gospel. And later on, the apostles came along, and they put their stamp of approval upon it. And after that, where did Philip go? He ends up in the desert witnessing to the Ethiopian eunuch. We don't know much about his later life after that. We just know that later on Paul meets him and he was known as Philip the Evangelist because that's what he was known for was how God had used him to carry the gospel, in many cases to be the first one to carry the gospel into new places. We know that the Lord dispenses spiritual gifts according to his own will. And so I believe... Individual missionaries will be very different many times in how the Lord has gifted them. But just like pastors have many different gifts, I believe while missionaries have many different gifts, I think this is where we find them in the Bible, is in this, this calling of the evangelists. I'm not going to stake everything on that, but that's really what I believe. And uh, I think we can find a good definition of the, the missionary here in this in this role of the evangelist, because the primary goal of the missionary is to evangelize and to propagate the gospel. Alright, another question. Since all of us are responsible for the Great Commission, aren't all of us missionaries? Alright, is everybody in the church a missionary? Have you ever thought about that? All right. Is everyone in the church a missionary? Last night, or last night, last week we talked about the missional movement, and they say yes. Everybody is a missionary. But once again, they've changed what the mission is as well. All right, we're not going to get back into that. I think it's very true that all of us need to take seriously our responsibility to be involved in fulfilling the Great Commission. And so we have the resources and the gifts that God has given us, and we have the opportunity in our own life, in our, in our circles, to, to do as much as we can to get the gospel out and to fulfill the Great Commission in the place where Christ has given us and to help support the work of our church in furthering the work of world evangelism and the Great Commission. On the other hand, it's true that not every member of the church has the same role. You might remember Paul using the picture of a body for the church. You know, he said, not everyone's a hand, not everyone's an eye. Turn over to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I want to read a couple verses over there. Verse 
and 1 Corinthians 12 is, is one of the places where he talks about the different gifts, and then he talks about the picture of the body, and this is how he concludes in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 27. He says, Now ye are the body of Christ, and members in particular. And God has sent some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, governments, diversity of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Have all the gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But covet earnestly the best gifts, yet show I unto you a more excellent way. And so he's asking some rhetorical questions here. Is everybody doing the same job? Is everybody an apostle? Uh, does everybody have the same spiritual gift? Of course not. And so he doesn't mention evangelists here, but I think the same logic can apply. And um, I read, a, I guess it was a devotional or an article or something, and I, I, I tried so hard to find it so I could, I could get the wording just right. But one of the points this guy brought up, he said, you know, we have this song that we teach the kids, right? Be a missionary every day, right? He said, what if we switched that out and said, put pastor in there? Be a pastor every day. How would, how would the churches like that? Be a deacon every day. And I I'm not trying to bash on that song. It's just an interesting way to think about it. Um, when they're saying, of course, they're saying, let's do our best to, to fulfill the great commission where we are. But is everybody a missionary? No, I don't think so. There's, there's a specific calling a specific role that I think corresponds with this biblical idea of the evangelist. And now we're going to take it from theory and we're going to look at a biblical example to try to pull some of these threads together. So turn over to Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. We're going to look at the first four verses here. And I call this the making of a missionary. Alright, so we don't have a list in the so-called church epistles that lists the qualifications for an evangelist or the qualifications for a missionary. We have that for pastors. We have that for deacons. We don't have that for missionaries. And so instead of that, we're going to look at an example and try to draw out some ideas here. Who is a missionary? How do they become a missionary? What do they do? So let's read the text here, Acts 13, starting in verse 1. Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger and Lucius of Cyrene and Manaean which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. When they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So they being sent forth by the Holy Ghost departed unto Seleucia and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. And so we have this, this, this picture here of a church, a local church in Antioch in Syria. And there came a day in the life of this church when the Lord identified some people that he wanted to be missionaries. But before it tells us about that, in verse 1, there's a list of missionary candidates, so to speak. People that were in the church who it seems like met the criteria to be a missionary candidate. There's a list of these men. Barnabas, Simeon, 
Lucius, Menaean, and Saul. And of course, Saul was later known as Paul, the Apostle Paul. And so I want to notice a couple things. First of all, these were saved church members. All right? These men were in the church. They knew the Lord. They were from a great diversity of backgrounds. Um, this man, uh, Simeon, that was called Niger, um, that word means black. He may have been from Africa. There's this man, Menaean. He was a relative, or at least closely related, with Herod the Tetrarch. He had been associated with, with royalty. And so you have people from all across the spectrum here, but they were saved church members, uh, part of this church here in Antioch. Another thing we notice is that they were active in service. All right, these are men who are prophets and teachers. They were serving in their church. All right, uh, there's a saying that says, crossing a sea does not a missionary make. All right, these men were already serving the Lord in their own local church. I remember a, uh, when I was in college, I had an instructor by the name of Alan Fisher. He was, a, he was a rather eccentric man, but I mean, he had done it all as far as missionaries go. All right, he had served in Central Africa, had translated the Bible into several languages. Really amazing story. But I remember we were sitting in a class, and one of the, the students asked him, he said, they're asking about discerning the Lord's will. Say, how do you know, you know what the Lord wants you to do? And um, he asked us a question. He said, uh, when you're riding a bike, is it easier to steer it when it's sitting still or when it's moving? Sat there for a minute. Well, while it's moving, it's much easier to steer a bike that's moving. He said, look, you just got to figure out what the next thing is the Lord wants you to do and do it. He said, when I surrendered to missions, I had no idea what I was going to do next. But I knew that if I wanted to get into Bible translation, I was going to have to learn the biblical languages. And so I applied to the University of Jerusalem, or the Hebrew University in Jerusalem. Didn't know a word of Hebrew. Flew to, flew to Israel. Lived there for a few months over the summer. Picked up Hebrew from the Israeli kids I was hanging out with and started class there the next semester. <laughs> he said, you just got to... You just got to take the next step, whatever the Lord's showing you. So you have this picture here of these men who are in the church of Antioch, and they were doing the best they could where the Lord had them, going full steam, trying to follow the Lord's will step by step. And not only that, they had a proven testimony. If you had asked the people of the church of Antioch, say, hey, who are the, you know, the main teachers? Who are the servants in the church of Antioch? They would oh, well, you know, Barnabas... Saul, Simeon, Menaean, you know, these are the guys we see. They're out there. They're serving the Lord. They're teaching. They're, they're, they have a testimony. We know who these people are. And this is an important principle uh, that we see other places in, in Scripture. In 1 Timothy, let me turn over there real quick. 1 Timothy 3.6, it's talking about a, a, a pastor in this case, but it says not a novice. All right, so not someone who's, who's just been saved, who's new in the faith. Many times they have lots of zeal, but they're not ready for something like this. 1 Timothy 5.22 talks about this as well. It says, lay hands suddenly on no man. All right, so these men, they had a proven testimony. People knew what they were about. All right, these are men who loved the Lord, who were serving the Lord, who had proved themselves in the local church. It 
Secondly, these men were called by God. All right? They were called by God. Back in our text, it says that the Holy Spirit said to separate me, Barnabas and Saul. And so, the Lord Jesus Christ is the ultimate sender. He's the one who's sending people out by His Holy Spirit. His Spirit does a selection. And you see there is a spiritual labor here. It says they ministered, in verse 2, they ministered to the Lord and fasted. And that's when the Holy Ghost impressed upon the hearts, apparently both of Paul and Barnabas, the missionaries, and the rest of the church, that this is what the Lord wanted them to do. So it's very important. This starts with the Lord. He is the one that's doing the calling. He is the one that's doing the selection. Another step here. They were approved by the church. Okay, so it was very important that both the prospective missionaries and the church as a whole understand that this was that this is the call. So these men had served among them. And, and through prayer and fasting, the other church members, the leaders of the church, came to the understanding this was indeed the Lord's will because they realized this was not something to be undertaken lightly. And so we see in verse 3, when they had fasted and prayed, they laid their hands on them. Of course, we're familiar, I think, with laying on of hands. Nowadays, it's done through ordination. All right, Someone who wants to be in the ministry, whether it be here in the States as a pastor or another type of minister, or to go serve as a missionary, they're examined as to their life and their doctrine. And the, the gesture of laying on of hands indicates that the local church approves and supports of this person as a missionary. After they had been approved by the church, they were sent out. All right, remember our, our word here? Sent ones. All right, here it is. They were sent out by the church. And I think this is so interesting. All right, at the end of verse 3, we see this word that says, they sent them the way. The church, they laid their hands on them. They sent them out. They said, you're going to go out and do this, this mission to preach the gospel. But if you look at verse 4, it says, they being sent forth by the Holy Ghost. So who sent them out? It was this cooperation between the local church and the Holy Spirit to send out these missionaries to do the work of the Great Commission. When the Lord is in it, the Holy Spirit is working in and through both the missionary and the sending church. And this is what we want to see, isn't it? That the, the Holy Spirit is calling out people, that the church is, is getting in line with the mind of the Lord, approving them, sending them out, and the power of the Holy Spirit is superintending over all of this. And of course, they went out to preach the gospel. And next week, we're going to be looking at this more in depth. What did these missionaries actually do? Uh, but in summary, they were out preaching the gospel. The sum and the substance of the Great Commission. The purpose that the church is sending people out for. Alright, so we have here kind of a summary definition of a missionary. If you haven't figured out, I kind of like to do this. Pull it all together in something that's a little easier for us to to get our minds around, alright? So here we have it. A missionary is a disciple of Christ who is selected by God and approved by the local church to be sent out for the primary purpose of propagating the gospel. 
And this is the pattern that we saw in Antioch. These men were Christians. They were, they were believers. They were selected by the Lord. The local church approved them, laid hands on them, and sent them out to preach the gospel. And in a word, that is a missionary. So I believe the missionary is an essential part of the local church with biblical precedent, both in the example of the apostles and also the gift of the evangelist. And I also believe while all members of the New Testament church have a part to play in the Great Commission, not everybody is a missionary. All right, This is a special calling, a special job. It's somebody who's specifically called, approved, and sent forth to preach the gospel under the authority of Jesus Christ and the local church. Next week, we're going to look a little bit more at what these men did after they were sent out, try to understand a little bit more what does this look like when a missionary is sent forth to preach the gospel. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, please visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We encourage you to share this message with others. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened and God's word has had an impact on your life as together we strive to show forth the path of life. Press on.